Good morning, everyone. Time now is 8 a.m. Yes, we're recording at 8 a.m. Not because I FOMO, but because we have a lot of things to record. But today, we're going to spend time to talk about FOMO and how to work well with it. And does not help that social media is becoming an inevitable part, you know, so close, day to day, you consume social media, all these stimulus, and all these people screenshotting to you their profits, you know, their revenue growth, and then they were like, hashtag blessed, <laughs> and all that stuff, right? So, with all these stimulus going on, and it does roll up some emotions, and I'm not saying that I'm immune to FOMO, I feel FOMO at times, um, in fact, quite often, right? So, I'm going to share with you how I work well with them, or how I work with FOMO, um, yeah, sometimes you can leverage on it, you know, it's not all that bad. So yeah, welcome back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. So today, we're going to spend some time to talk about how to work well with FOMO. Of course, with the context of personal finance, because we're a personal finance podcast, right? <laughs> but I want you to know that you're not alone. A lot of people are FOMO about all sorts of stuff. And in personal finance, especially tons of FOMO going on. So, yeah. And before I continue, I definitely want to reiterate that I also feel FOMO. Um, and I am human as well, right? So, we are all together on this ship trying to create a life we love. And because we're trying to create a life we love, we in our head have anchored some sort of ideal life or aka fantasy. And because of a lot of this fantasy, it does ignite some sort of FOMO here and there, especially when you see other people inching closer, closer to the life that you think you want. Okay, so that is an interesting angle. We will expand on it as we go along. Uh, but for all of you... Um, Non-millennials, you know, boomers tuning in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. <laughs> but I will, uh, for the benefit of you, I will explain what is FOMO. So FOMO is fear of missing out. Essentially, it's this anxiety that it's built up when you see something that you perceive to be exciting and interesting that you are not included. <laughs> that is the best definition that I have seen so far. And yeah, I think it works because anxiety of something you perceive to be exciting and interesting that you are not included. These are the three elements that forms FOMO. So it feels like you are inadequate. Like it feels like you're not part of the party. And in my head, right, the emotions uh, when you feel in FOMO, it's a little bit of envy plus a little bit of self-doubt. Can I actually do this? You know, like I'm, I'm not part of this. And also a little bit of that fantasy, that desire that you have based on the ideal life in your head that you've created. So these are some of the elements, right? Um, and having some words to plug uh, towards FOMO actually helps you to be able to work with it a lot better. So in my head, FOMO is a complicated mix of envy, self-doubt and that fantasy life. But I am not going to spend today to um, expand on the causality of FOMO. Like what causes FOMO? 
um, and all that stuff. Because if you think about it, it has very complicated causes. So the causality is is a multifaceted, very complicated, right? From a psychological angle to maybe family upbringing to societal reasons to inequality to whatever you right. So everybody, depending on who you talk to, they will hold on to one or two of these seeming causes and they will hop on it, say, oh, FOMO is caused by these things. But to me, all of them kind of come together to create this FOMO reaction in ourselves. So we definitely have the external reality, which is the situation out there. We also have a comparison element where we compare to other people. And then there's the internal side of how we interpret this information that causes the emotional uproar as a FOMO, right? So... Not going to do that. It's too complicated and I think there's limited upside in trying to figure out that uh, causality. We don't always need to find causes, okay? Uh, But I do think that a few of these underlying causes are worth bringing up. Like number one is uh, we are bred as hurt creatures, right? So to me, we are bred as hurt creatures and it is very common. It's not unique to Singapore. Everywhere is pretty much the same. It's just a different kind of hurt mentality, okay? So if there's a common narrative out there that says that, oh, the Singapore dream, the China dream, the US dream, whatever dream that people have, those are building narratives trying to tell you that, oh, you know, your life is about doing this, doing this, doing this, and you do this one step, the next step, get your house, blah, 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 get kids, etc., etc. So... When you are born and bred as hurt creatures, with a common narrative, it tends to be that if you are not meeting that narrative, you fall out, you want to do a little bit different, all these things will arouse different emotions and FOMO is a very big part of these emotions, right? So just recognizing that it is a multifaceted situation is important and that you are not alone is also important. Don't try too hard to find a cause. But today I'm going to focus on how to work with FOMO. And in the earlier part of the podcast, I've thrown a few words at FOMO. Like, how does it feel to be FOMO? And try to do a little bit of a formulaire to FOMO, which to me is a little bit of envy, a little bit of self-doubt, and a little bit of, you know, that fantasy life in your head. Right, so these three things to me are some of the core elements of FOMO. While I cannot stand by to say that, you know, yeah, this causes FOMO. But I think these three things kind of come together to create this complicated emotional mix of FOMO. And I'm going to start with the first point of how to work well with FOMO. Okay, it's not always about just suppressing it. I think we really can work with it. There's some value to it. And the first point is to have an objective yardstick. In other words, you must have some sort of measurement, especially in personal finance. People are talking to you about 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. They screenshot and then they show you 100% growth. And they'll be like, whoa, the guy's doing 100%, man. Why should we do 10%? Why should we aim for 8% growth, right? Or like profits or, you know, returns, whatever you want, whatever word you throw at it. The idea here is... Because you don't have an objective yardstick, you have no basis or measurement, everything sounds possible and everything sounds good. Okay, so in my head, having an objective yardstick gives you some sort of basis to compare. And one of the easiest and lowest bar of yardsticks are averages. So your mean, medium, modes, these are the simplest way to go about having a yardstick to compare. It's like, how do you know something is cheap or something is expensive? There must be some sort of comparison. So if you compare it to um, the average price out there, like one plate of chicken rice, $4. Okay, I've, I've moved on, guys. I've moved on. It's no longer $3. Whoever tells you $3, they're, they're not wrong. Okay, but... <laughs> 
but but I believe I believe that the mean now is four dollars. Okay. Anyway, I moved on from the three dollar chicken rice to be at the four dollar chicken rice, and I compare it. So anything that is below four dollars for chicken rice, I think it's okay. It's very cheap, huh? So that is the yardstick for comparison, right? So if I compare myself to someone like Buffett, you know, which is performing around 20%, or the broad market in the stock market, which is growing at about 8 to 10% after fees, right? So if I'm comparing myself to these kind of averages, objective yardsticks, suddenly it feels like, hey, actually 10% a year is considered quite okay, ma. you know, I'm doing fine, you know, or, or even... Hey, 15%, I'm doing very well. You know, I'm better than average. Right? So, of course, you know, we have to go in to dig deeper. So, what is a strategy? What are you trying to do? What, is, what, you know, what are you adopting? If you're comparing index funds to index funds, there's a different thing. If you're comparing stock picking to index funds, it's a whole different thing. So, I get the whole fallacy discussion, which we talked about last week. But having some sort of objective yardstick, objective measurement and averages in your head, right, is a good place to start to manage this FOMO because it manages the envy, it manages the self-doubt, it manages the fantasy. Not everybody is going 100, 200, 300%, you know, guys. Right? So that is something that I think uh, is a good place to start. But if you want an improved yardstick, okay, so averages are simple places to start. Okay, these are objective yardsticks, they're simple. But if you want an improved yardstick, take a better one, I think probability is something that is underappreciated. You need to recognize that everything is a spectrum, okay? And spectrum means there's a range, right? From 0 to 100 or 0 to 1,000 or whatever. Essentially, there is a range of things. And the average tends to be where most of the people will perform, okay? So this is what some people will call the normal distribution or because a lot of solutions, let's say we, we contextualize it in personal finance, okay? If you're just trying to perform like the average, it's very easy, right? Just buy index funds, you know, like your investments, just buy index funds, low-cost index funds, you hold and you wait, right? So a lot of solutions will be optimized for the average. So if you think that, okay, the average is okay, the mean, median, they're all around here and you are fine with it, okay, perfectly beautiful. You will tend to have a very high probability of hitting it because all the solutions will get optimized to be the average or meet the average at the very least. And that's why they're called averages, okay? So uh, we're not going into that discussion, but I want to uh, push you a little bit further. If you want to perform above average, you got to ask yourself, what is the probability? What are the chances of performing above average? And what is the additional work you need to put in to uh, increase that probability and, you know, benchmark yourself with a different yardstick? Idea here is... Most people compare to averages and it's okay. It's like in school, you don't need to perform amazing at everything. There's a broad average. But there are probably that one or two or so. Okay, shout out to all you people that perform straight A's one. I don't talk to you. But anyway, so... <laughs> There will be one or two subjects that you do a little bit better. Like, my economics was pretty good while I was in school and I will never compare to the average. To me, my goal is to ace it, to be the top 10 in school or something like that, right? So, if that is my goal, then my comparison is different. My yardstick is not the average. My yardstick is this so-called version of improved yardstick where I measure what is the probability of achieving this thing and what is the additional work done that I need to put in to try to achieve at this level. So this is something that I think people need to recognize. Average is a good place to start. But if you want to outperform the average, you got to ask yourself two things. What's the probability of outperforming? And what is additional work that I need to put in to potentially outperform or increase my probability of outperforming the averages? And this forms what I call the improved yardstick, which is closer to what you're trying to achieve. 
But the main idea here is that by having some sort of yardstick, it forms a basis for comparison and it reduces the emotional reaction from FOMO. You don't get that envious. You kind of recognize what you're going for. You have some sort of basis to benchmark against. There's less of the whole fantasy like, wow, maybe I could do that. Or maybe, you know, oh, that is possible. So yeah, everything is kind of possible, but how possible is it, right? So the element of probability and averages are a good place to start. Which brings me to point number two of how to work well with FOMO and that is to channel the FOMO towards a mentor source. Okay, I have been struggling to find another word to replace mentor and I think it's very hard to replace it because mentor has been tainted Okay, by a lot of uh, fake gurus out there and a lot of all these people trying to tell you that they can mentor you. Okay, I'll tell you a little story later. But the idea here is... It is not always about suppressing FOMO, but because within the FOMO package that I've established, there's this element of envy, and envy is something that's underappreciated. If you can channel envy well towards something that you're trying to achieve, because that's a good signal, it's a good signal that maybe you really want to do that. Envy provides that edge for you to push through the pain to achieve what you need to achieve. And we'll talk about this afterward from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so a short little story about mentors, okay? My view is this, huh? The most amazing mentors are always in the mountains, okay? And they don't come down of the mountain and say, Hey, you know, I'm a very good mentor. You should use me. I'm your very good mentor. <laughs> so that, that is my base case, okay? That's my base case. And I'm not saying that some of the best people are not willing to teach or they're not willing to um, share their knowledge or what have you. But it's quite rare. Lah, right? So far, some of the best people that I've met, I have to tell them and beg them and ask them to mentor me. Okay, The best mentors do not come down and say, that, hey, I'm a great mentor. Okay, that, That's my view. But also, I think, I think we all need to recognize that for most of us that first start, you don't get the best mentors, right? You, you get whatever you can get. And not all mentors need to be a living source also. Okay, so... Learn from the dead. I think learning from the dead is one of the best things, okay? Because the dead has already been to, they've done that. How do you learn from them? Not, not prayer and all. Huh? You learn from them through reading books, reading what they have gone through, reading their ideologies, and there are a lot of great books out there that are a little bit more complicated to read. Uh, I definitely think you should read some philosophical books. I do think that you should read some research papers. If you can, and if you want to, and don't always just read the latest new books out there, right? There'll always be new releases. And I realize a lot of the new releases tend to be very diluted. Of course, it's a good place to start. But after a while, after you read 10, 20 books of, of these like new release books, right? You realize that, hmm, never mind. It's all pretty much the same. It's very diluted. So why not just read the Senpai's book, which is the very, very old ones that, you know, if they've been published for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, right? And they are still being sold very well. Then you know that there's some sort of basis here. There are a lot of good content and people are willing to pay for it, right? Of course, if you read the very, very old books, then they, they don't even really sell it for profit anymore. It's just trying to record their thoughts, right? So learn from the dead. I think that's great, right? It's not always about learning from live mentors. 
Yeah, but I went on that short little rant because I want to uh, clarify that mentoring is not a dirty word, but it's just that recently there's been a lot of rise of like mentorship and, you know, choruses and what have you, and a lot of them turn out to not be that great, right? So uh, with that in mind, I want to caveat my thoughts that, hey, there are many things that you can learn from. You can watch YouTube videos, you can listen to podcasts, you can read books, you can buy a course, um, you can have a physical mentor, like someone that you actually admire, or some people that you admire partly, right? So that you only admire them for their work ethics. You're not so admirable about their other things. Um, then you can only learn that one part with them. That's also okay. But we'll, we'll caveat that later. Slightly later, I got something to share about, about learning parts. Okay, I will, I will talk to you a little bit more about that after this. But the general idea is you can learn from anything, anyone, there are multiple sources and I just collectively call them mentor sources. And why do I think you should channel your FOMO towards a mentor source? Because like I've established, FOMO is a complicated mix of envy, self-doubt, and a little bit of that fantasy. So when you feel that FOMO, it's a very good signal that actually you want that Right? It's like, oh yeah, you know, I feel like I'm missing out from this thing. You know, I kind of want this. I want that hard bar. I want to buy that car. I want to live in that house. I want to, you know, make the kind of returns. And it's not all bad, you know. Please don't suppress your envy, suppress your desires. Just because it's very low probability or just because you feel like, ah, oh, you know, everybody is like that or, or, or whatever you, right? So the general narrative out there today is to suppress it or dissipate that FOMO. And some people go to quite extreme lengths, you know, they will judge the other people as like, yeah, they're lucky one lah. Or they'll say like, yeah, you know, all these people, you see them, you think they have a lot of friends, right? No lah, you know, it's all these friends, very shallow one. I only need a few friends, very solid one. They will come down when I need them, uh, come and drink beer with me. <laughs> but, okay, the, the idea here is, the idea here is, I know today a lot of, sh a lot of like, f flaming other people, but the idea here is, when you do a lot of those things saying that, you know, you're pure luck la, or you are, all these friends are not real and what have you, right? You are really just throwing hate and throwing all these negative kind of connotation to help you feel better. But you're not actually affecting the other person, you know. You're suppressing yourself. You're suppressing your envy. You're trying to use all these things to suppress so that you do not pursue what you deep down may want to because you don't really know exactly is this what you want but it's just a little bit of envy that is a great signal for you that maybe there is something here maybe I do want to pursue something maybe I do want to make a little bit more profits maybe I do want to retire a little bit earlier of course what does that then signal is a lot more complicated but I do encourage people to work on their envy, not in a sense of not being envious, but to take envy as a great signal to go and double down. And so with that, one of the easiest ways to go about is to get a mentor, right? Read some books, learn some stuff, get someone to guide you along. And that would provide you some reality check also, right? So while you are doubling down on the envy, you take that as a signal, you do, you pursue what you want. It also gives you some sort of reality. It's a guidance, right? And good mentors are hard to come by. That is the reality, okay? So it helps you with getting or potentially getting to where you are. And also the mentors probably do have more objective measurements of things and they will be able to work with your fantasy, like kind of adjust your expectations maybe or you know, help you work through your self-doubt and all that. So I think um, mentors are underappreciated, uh, but also the quality uh, can be better, right? So better books, better content, better thought processes, uh, better people out there to mentor. But yeah channel that, I think that's an easy way to go about working well with FOMO. Like I've said in point number two, in the opening of point number two, if you are 
learning something from someone. Okay, so let's say we, we put the, the date things aside and I would just learn from the individual human, okay? So if you're learning something from someone and you only want to learn this work ethics part of this person and you want to learn this other person, how do they manage their family and you want to learn from this other person, how do they manage their investments? Recognize that, right? When you're learning separate things from separate people, you are actually creating. You're actually creating because this person does not exist or at least you cannot find that same person that you want to fully emulate. And we have limited time, limited bandwidth, limited resources. So when you're trying to optimize your work based on this person A, you're trying to optimize your investment from person B, you're trying to optimize your life with person C, then you realize that, hey, actually this ABC, right? They don't exist in real life. You are trying to put all their best perks together. Is it possible? I don't know. Okay, so this is something that you need to recognize every time you're emulating from a mentor source, a part of it, you're actually creating a whole new thing that may not exist and maybe it cannot work. Lah. Because maybe the person that does very well at work, they spend a lot of time at work and you cannot spend 12 hours at work and you know still, still have the additional time to take care of your investments and take care of your family, right? So you have to realize this is a reality, yeah? If you learn in parts, you're actually creating a whole new thing and maybe it has not been proven that these three great parts can coexist in one person or in one life or in one entity, okay? Good to know. But yeah, the most important thing is to recognize that if you FOMO, then there's some level of envy, find a mentor, work on that envy, and also the mentor can help you with the self-doubt and the fantasy, some reality check and some support system. So that is important. Which brings me to point number three of how to work well with FOMO and that is to recognize that you don't actually need to follow the narrative. Because like I've said, FOMO is very much stamping on some element of fantasy, right? The fantasy is built on the narrative. There is the narrative of like what everybody should be and probably there is that narrative on top of that, like what are the best people doing? And so this narrative and the elevated narrative, which is the fantasy, forms this idea of the ideal life, right? So when that happens, uh, if you fall short and if you see other people that have it, you do feel some sort of formula, right? So, so that is something that I think uh, people need to know and recognize. Although in the front, we talk about like how to work with it, how to double down on it. I also want you to know that actually you don't need to pursue it if you don't think it is something that you want to. Okay? But the idea is, if you choose not to pursue a particular narrative, that means you choose not to entertain your FOMO, you just want to move towards another way of life, it is also a way to work with it. But if you decide to go the other way, you will have limited support from this narrative. Okay, what, what do I mean? If the government is trying to tell you, okay, if rulers of the land or the power source or the religious group or whatever you, right, they have a certain way that they want you to live. They have a certain narrative that they want you to abide by. And if you are excelling in this narrative, uh, you will be very well compensated. You will be very well rewarded, right? So if you follow the narrative, you do very well in school, you get a very good job, you rise up the ranks, you get a scholarship, you get propelled into leadership role. And what do you add? That is the narrative of Singapore, meritocracy, right? Whatever that they sell you. If you follow the narrative and you do it well, you have a lot of resources to support you. Every time you take the other path, you try to take something else, like sports, like arts, try to be an entrepreneur. Okay, this is a little bit different, but generally the idea is if you're not following the narrative, you decide to do something else, you're under-resourced, there's no support system, and you're very much on your own. This is something that you need to recognize. 
Just look at the CPF system, right? The CPF system has all these different perks, right? 4% SA returns. Okay, you can use it to buy a flat. You can use it for further education for your kids. And, you know, you have the medical expense. It helps you with the MediSafe structure so that you don't need to have very big medical expenses. And the CPF Live, there's all these different narratives and all these different systems built to support that narrative. You know, using CPF towards the life of the Singaporean dream, right? If you choose not to use the CPF, you essentially are priced out of all these different, you know, support systems from MediSafe, MediShield, CPF Life, HDB Housing, blah, blah, blah. Because you choose to take the other narrative, you are not supported in this path. So this is something that you need to recognize. And yeah, if you feel that you don't want to follow the narrative and you don't want to engage your FOMO, you feel that the FOMO is impeding your progress in some other way of life that you're trying to pursue, then just recognize that you can, but if you chose to do so, then yeah, you will have limited support in creating this new way of life that is not within the narrative. Right? So these are the few ways to go about managing FOMO. I'm going to sum it up today, okay? How to work well with FOMO. Number one is to have an objective yardstick, okay? Because like I've defined, FOMO is a little bit of envy, a little bit of self-doubt, plus a bit of fantasy. So if you have an objective yardstick, it helps you to have some sort of basis to work with so that it's not all airy-fairy and you kind of know what are the averages, what's the probability of hitting something. It gives you a bit more of a reality check, right? You're more priced in, you're you feel more comfortable, uh, broadly speaking, right? So that is one way of working with FOMO. The other way, point number two, is to channel that FOMO towards a mental source. Like I said, FOMO is a little bit of envy within it. So it's a great signal to tell you that maybe this is something that you want to pursue. So instead of suppressing it, why not doubling down on it and go and channel that energy towards a, a mental source to go and learn and improve. If the good mentors, they can help you to uh, manage fantasy, manage the reality, and also work with yourself. Of course, point number three, is to recognize that, hey, you don't actually need to follow the narrative. You don't need to engage this FOMO. But if you choose not to, then uh, there's limited support system along the other way or the other narratives that you're trying to build. So yeah, those are three ways to work better with FOMO. I would say work well with FOMO. And with that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the Financial Coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Yeah, so um, I, I hope you found today's episode useful because I do think a lot of people uh, do face FOMO. Like I said, it's a, it's a complicated situation, a complicated mix of things. Uh, but yeah, these are the few ways that I think people can work better with FOMO. It's not always a bad thing, la, you know, I would say there's no really good or bad. Depends on your goals, depending on what you're trying to drive towards, right? And depends on blah, blah, blah. I know it sounds very lame. Uh, but yeah, if you are feeling FOMO, and you need people to talk to, come to the Telegram group. You can DM me on Telegram if you are feeling it, okay? And uh, you just want someone to talk to, I'm happy to be there. I won't say that I can definitely mentor you because it takes a lot of energy and I'm very occupied. But I'm very happy to just kind of give you my thoughts, my feedback, um, as and when you feel you need it, right? So come to Telegram group, add us on, join our Telegram, and yeah, we can chat more from there. Next week, we are going to uh, focus on Three signals that you're not yet investing. So I know a lot of people recently, they start investing, right? And FOMO, a lot of it is based on investing. One, right? People rarely FOMO about insurance. Right? But anyway, it's, it's like, you know, uh, well, my friend investing, uh, then they're making more, blah, 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 right? So um, I think for, with the increase of platforms, with the increase of solutions, more and more people are investing or they think they are investing, right? So I'm going to share with you some signals that you are not yet investing. You have not adopted the investor mindset yet. And that will be for next week. Yeah, see ya guys. Meanwhile, take care.